0: Do you remember being here two weeks ago? We were worshiping with increasing anxiety because there was a tropical storm named Ian out there. And that Sunday morning, that's all it was, was a tropical storm, had not yet hit Cuba. But the next day, it was a hurricane. And then two days after that, it slammed into the southwest coast of Florida. It's a massive Category 4 storm. Of course, it brought catastrophic destruction. Many lives were lost. We just reeled at the pictures. They were overwhelming. The stories were heartbreaking. But what you may not know is that as that storm was coming, we were faced with a choice. The choice came on Wednesday morning. That's as Ian was approaching landfall in the Fort Myer area. The choice is about helping. I received a text at 8.48 that morning. Like you, I tried to hurry to get make sure my home was ready, that our church was ready. Whatever came, we wanted to be ready for it. But the text came telling me that there were a number of farm workers, people who lived just 15 miles away from us, south of us. These people were not allowed in shelter, men, we were told, because they didn't have photo IDs. They lived in dilapidated trailers with their families. The shelters had taken in the women and the children, but the men, they were on their own, they were told. And, of course, they were at great risk from falling trees, from the wind, and they were scared to death. So I called a pastor in a church close to the, where the farm workers lived, and I said, We have 19 farm workers who need shelter. Now, we have transportation. We can get them to your church, but will you open one or two rooms for these men? The response was, Well, there's nobody to supervise them. They don't need supervision, I said. They need shelter. Well, the trustees will get upset, you know, we have liability, and and they might mess things up. So I responded in no uncertain terms. So what do you want? A dirty carpet or a dead person? That got a response. Okay, bring them, the pastor said. We'll open up classroom. So when the vans arrived with the farm workers, they were met by the pastor and several members who said, you, you can't bring them in here. You're going to have to find another place. Needless to say, the wind and the rain at that point were rapidly building and time was short, and I was not happy. In fact, I was quite angry at that point. So I asked to speak to the van drivers. Would you be willing to drive further, bring them to our church? Now, I knew that the conditions were increasingly dangerous, so this would be a risk for them. But they said, sure. So they brought them here, and Pastor Andy and I met them, opened up the gym. We fed them. We provided every blanket, every comfort we could, which is not a lot in short notice, but... We provided the space they needed. It turns out there were not 19, there were 25 people. 20 men, one woman, and four children who took refuge in our gym. And I'm here to tell you they did not make a mess, they did not damage anything, and they were quite nice. They were safe, and they were grateful. When I arrived home that Wednesday just afternoon, the wind really started to whip up. I took a moment to look at the scriptures from the previous Sunday. And then I looked at the scriptures for this Sunday. I was thinking about the upcoming topic of faith and the upcoming topic of serving, and I realized that those two texts were merging in this moment. So let me read to you the text from James 2, which is our text for today which I read as Hurricane Ian was bearing down upon us. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a great day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see... Faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, well, some people have faith. Others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I've read that text hundreds of times in my life, and it's quite clear It's a critical directive for any follower of Jesus. So what does it mean? Maybe I can illustrate for you a story that I actually shared with you five years ago, but it bears repeating. I found myself many years ago at the hospital with Harvey and his wife, and Harvey was getting ready to have surgery. He had been told it's routine surgery, out in a few days. So there I was with Harvey and his wife just before surgery, and the nurse brought in the papers. You know that, all those papers you sign. Harvey started reading. Then he turned pale. He turned to the nurse and he said, have you read these? He said, have you seen what can happen? You can die. I can be paralyzed. It's enough to scare you out of having the operation, he said. I understand the nurse said, but you need to sign if you're going to have this surgery. So he bucked up, he signed the papers, but I'm going to tell you, Harvey was one nervous man. When the surgery was over, the doctor came out and said, everything went great. Just as we expected. No complications, should be out of recovery in an hour or so, home in a few days. We're very pleased. Everybody was elated. Except that Harvey didn't wake up. His recovery was going on and on and on. He was in the recovery room most of the day, and eventually, since he had not woken up, they put him in intensive care. His family was very worried. They couldn't quite explain it. They said, things like that happen sometimes. But then days passed, and Harvey still did not wake up. On day six, I was with his wife, standing by Harvey's bed, there in ICU, and she said, you know... Pastor, if it were not for the monitors, I would believe that my husband is dead. But I can see the heartbeat, so I know he's alive. The heartbeat was the key. And of course, there were other vital signs that we could monitor, but we knew Harvey was alive because his heart never failed to maintain that steady beat. And then, two days later, he woke up. Perfectly fine. He just had a long nap, scaring everybody else to death, but it confirmed what we had seen on the monitor. Harvey was alive. Now, I tell you the story of Harvey to point to what I believe is a great and important truth. God has given all of us vital signs. Abilities, talents, gifts to show that we are alive, to show whose we are and who directs our life. These vital signs are evidence that God is at work in us and through us. And you know, others can see it. They can see that we're alive. There's an effect which brings hope and healing where it is needed. These good deeds that are mentioned in the book of James are the vital signs of our faith. They are visible and living reminders that we have been transformed by God's love. And out of thankfulness, out of thankfulness, we are responding with a very clear compassion towards others. Even opening our gym to shelter strangers from the storm. Wearing ourselves out, getting critical supplies where needed. Our vital signs show that we are alive in Christ. If you know anything about our Methodist traditions, you know that John Wesley, founder of the Methodist movement, understood this well. He understood that there are key components. He talks about two pieces, each of which is essential for the Christian. The first piece he called piety, works of piety. Well, we know them as spiritual disciplines. You know them as things like Prayer, reading of scripture, meditating on scripture, giving, fasting, all those would be works of piety. You're familiar with those. You're doing it this morning. But Wesley also recognized that being a disciple of Jesus doesn't really work if the second piece is missing. He called that piece works of mercy, works of piety, and works of mercy. Now, Wesley, like us, was reading Scripture. He came to this section of the book of James, which I just read to you. So, you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. In fact, Wesley would write, good deeds are an expression of one's faith. But he also took to heart what was written in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good works he planned for us long ago. There it is. Doing good is part of God's plan. And from the day I arrived at this church, I have said again and again that we are called to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Disciples who have both faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and have been called to be an outwardly directed church, serving our neighbors. Let me put it succinctly, simply. We are called to be a church which follows Jesus Christ and is not self-serving. This is not a country club. It is one that serves the needs of others. Two key pieces we hold up, which when taken together, are transformational. You know our purpose, to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Which is why Wesley said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. I mean, you can't read that and not get it at some point. And that is why we have been unrelenting. And yes, Andy, I know that people are weary. But we have been unrelenting in asking for your help in the last 10 days as Hurricane Ian has wrought incredible destruction. And we've worn ourselves out. We just fallen to the bed every night worn out. But what I love about you is you keep coming through. You keep do you know, we didn't hesitate about opening up the gym. I didn't have to call the trustees. I didn't have to say, Is this okay? I know you. So we opened the door. We have emptied our gym of release supplies at least three times. You have given, in addition to the incredible amount of supplies, more than forty thousand. I think it's considerably higher than that, but that was a count earlier in the week. It is obvious that you care and do not want a dead faith. I don't think I could serve a church like that. be calling up the bishop saying, they're dead, bishop, get me out of here before I catch it. John Wesley had a very strong opinion about anyone who did not make giving to help, help others a priority. He wrote, when a man becomes a Christian, he becomes industrious, trustworthy, and prosperous. Now, if that man gets all he can and saves all he can, but does not give all he can, I have more hope for Judas Iscariot than for that man. Wow. Scathing. But Wesley is right. It does take both piety and mercy. They both have to be at work. Some of you know the old saying, the adage that I think is true. When all is said and done, there's a lot more said than done. May it never be said of this church that we just talk about it, but rather that we roll up our sleeves and do it. So what is your life reflecting? How are your vital signs? If people look at you, would they see, think you're alive? Are you reflecting God's call to serve, to show compassion in concrete and visible ways? I was once talking to a group of fourth graders. I asked him a simple question, how can you tell if a person is a Christian? It's an interesting question to ask nine-year-olds. One little boy just pointed to the ceiling. I didn't quite understand what he was asking, but he said, well, how can you tell the light is on? I thought, great answer. You can see it. I mean, everybody knows if the light is on or not. And you can see the love of Christ when our faith is active and alive. Jesus reminds us quite simply that faith has to have life to it. It's demonstrated by real action. So verse 18 in this text drives the point home. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. That is, these good works, these good deeds demonstrate the reality of our faith. And Jesus Christ had an expectation that faith would be de- demonstrated in good works and doing good things for other people. That's what Matthew 25 is about. Lord, when did we see you hunger or thirsty? All oh, that is pointing to what Jesus expects. When a person calls himself a Christian, when a person claims To follow Jesus Christ, it is never enough just to claim it. For God intends there to be evidence proof of faith that a person is real in those claims, authentic. Otherwise, it is just dead faith. Because people are not convinced by claims, they come all day long. Great promises. This is the best. This is the answer. This is the cure. We want to see evidence, reality. It's the reality that people can see that draws them to the love of God. So one of the things that I hold as a motivator every day is a phrase, a saying that Mark Twain once offered. Twenty years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do by, than by the ones you did do. I don't want to be disappointed. 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And I've learned that it is the faith and the grace of God which saves us from the law of sin and death. And that grace transforms us so that with grateful hearts, we want to show others the love of God so that they will experience the gift of God's grace. They will know God's love. Folks, it is often through our good works that God's love is shown. Those good works are the vital signs that God is at Alive in us and at work in us and through us. So the key to this is found if you keep reading in James 2 in verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So let me ask you again. What would your vital sign show? Would people think that your faith is dead or alive. Let's pray. When you live in us, Lord, we are alive. We are vital, transformational. It's not about physical strength. It's not about having a lot of stuff. But it is about enlivening and utilizing quickening the gifts that you have given us of being evidence of your love. I pray for this congregation that we will continue to be a church that will never hesitate to open the doors, to gather a few more supplies to take that risk to serve. Help us to be who you have called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two aspects that are critically important, works of piety and works of mercy. Federico was one of the farm workers who came here. He was the one who kind of stepped up as a representative of the group, and we used translation programs. Thank you for those. For he, They didn't speak English, and I didn't speak Spanish well enough to converse, but we would translate back and forth using these apps. And Federico would check on me, and i check on him through the storm. Texting stayed alive during that time. I said, are you safe? Yes, we have power. Thank you, Lord. I said, Frederico, we're going to be there for you. You'll be safe there. And he said, we are. We are very grateful. Please tell your congregation thank you for caring about us. But then he added, and I pray that some who are with us will come to know the love of Jesus Christ. It wasn't just about shelter from the storm. but It was shelter from that darkness that permeates the world stepping into the light of Jesus Christ. Frederico was a great example of both the works of piety and mercy. And you opened the doors, and it made it possible. Thank you for being a loving church. But we're not through. So go get those supplies. We'll see you in the gym. We're going to keep helping as you go in peace and love. Amen.